The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows that CFB stands for Cespedes Family Barbecue and not college football. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and Hot Hot Hike. The big game, the Cespedes Family Barbecue playoff game. There are millions of people uh, betting on this one as we record this on Monday afternoon. Um, big one. Who who you got? Who you got, Jake? I think the real winner, Jordan, is going to be the fans tonight. <laughs> that is the safest bet, I would imagine. Uh, can no, you do we're that? Not... Can you can you go to the casino and bet on the fans? <laughs> bet on the fans having a good time. Uh, no, we are not going to talk about the CFP playoff game that is uh, being played soon. Between does Jake know? Who knows? Uh, the point is, is this is a baseball podcast, and we are back to talk about baseball. Uh, of course, we are going to begin uh, this podcast talking about the latest uh, on Trevor Bauer. This is really the first we've talked about it on this pod, um, but now that we have actual substantial news, we are going to cover all the latest with that. Uh, then we got a, again, we've been begging for some interesting trades, and we sure got one, although this one is maybe not one that makes Jake very happy. Uh, we'll talk about the Phillies Tigers swap a little bit later. Um, a few more moves we will cover, uh, and then uh, we are also uh, at the end, of course, going to wonder, hey, Carlos Correa? Question mark, question mark, question mark, as we have for the last three and a half weeks. Uh, but Jake, we must begin uh, this show with the latest um, and and really the, the news we've kind of been waiting for uh, regarding Trevor Bauer since we found out uh, in December that his suspension was uh, was reduced and thus in, in, in effect ended earlier than, than expected, which, you know, we expected him to be suspended for the rest of the season. That suspension was reduced, and in turn, it made the Dodgers have to make a decision about whether they were going to have him on their baseball team. So before we get into the, the latest, we should probably catch people up because this is not something we've talked about at all on this podcast, um, and it is it has been one of the one of the bigger stories in, in baseball, unfortunately, uh, for the past few seasons. Well, what's weird about it, too, is that it has fluctuated between enormous story and something that everyone has agreed that we like want to push out of our minds and not think yep. or talk about for like the lulls mm -hmm. in the story. Whereas like Bauer doesn't deserve attention and commentary 24 seven. And mm -hmm. so that has to me been the weirder part of this, right? Where it's like, sometimes it's the biggest story in baseball. And then sometimes we don't think about it at all. But right mm -hmm. now, it is the former. So let's just run through the timeline here, okay? 2020, Trevor Bauer wins the Cy Young in the fake shortened season with the Reds, and that offseason gets an enormous contract from the Dodgers, three years with a very large AAV. Starts that season, is very good for them over the first couple months, and then in 2021, in June, a woman files a uh, request for a restraining order against Bauer. Uh... Alleged, this is just from the Washington Post, alleged Bauer assaulted her during two consensual sexual encounters that turned violent, resulting in head and facial trauma, and strangled her to the point that she lost consciousness. Bauer then denied assaulting her, at which point MLB put him 
on administrative leave and conducted their own investigation. And it should be noted, he has not pitched in the big leagues since that day. Later on in 2021, the Post reports that Bauer became the subject of another temporary order of protection now in Ohio after he allegedly threatened a woman. In April of 2020, the Post reports a third woman's allegation of sexual violence. And so at which point, right, we have three allegations against him. And in April of 2022, Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, announces that Bauer is suspended for 324 games, the equivalent of two full seasons. I would say by far, by far, by far the longest suspension ever handed out under the domestic violence, uh, MLB's domestic violence policy. Bauer, showing no contrition, appealed almost immediately. Okay, that's that was the status quo the entire season in 2022. Up until December, when the independent arbitrator took that suspension of 324 games and reduced it to 194. And what that did is it made Bauer immediately eligible to return to the Dodgers on opening day of the upcoming season. And it left the Dodgers with the question, do we want to employ this person or do we not want to employ this person? If they choose not to, they are still on the hook for what is it, $22.5 million, I believe? Yeah, because this insanely giant contract that they handed him was oddly front-loaded. Um, so in that case, it, I guess, so, sort of works out for them, but still a lot of money right. for someone that they certainly do not want to have around. Right. So then on Friday, in an absurd Friday news dump, the Dodgers, on the very last possible moment, announced that they had designated Bauer for assignment, which means that they have seven days to either trade him and at which point he will then be uh, released. He will become a free agent. Bauer released a statement in response, uh, we'll, which we'll get into in a second. His response was kind of ridiculous. The Dodgers denied aspects of his response. And now Bauer is a uh, just a free agent like anybody else. Free to or sign. will be likely will, will be, be soon. right. Likely we are still sort soon. of as we record this, we are still sort of in limbo. Um, so now, before we, which, yeah, let's just say this is a very complicated, complex, touchy topic that you know is very sensitive. And the most important thing with a story like this and gets over overshadowed a lot is like the victims, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a victim and you're the recipient of of this type of violence, whether Bauer or the hundreds and thousands of millions of people who've experienced this type of thing in the world, seeing this in the paper and listening to it on podcasts all the time is very difficult and brings up a lot of trauma. And so if that is you and you're listening to this, then I skip ahead. Like, don't, you don't like feel free to skip ahead. Um, but we just feel like it is the type of, it's just such a big deal. You, you have to tackle it. Yeah. And, but again, like, this is why talking about this issue is so challenging because it is so sensitive. It is so disturbing. I mean, all the details that have come yeah. out uh, from the incredible reporting done, not just by the Washington Post, but especially, and if you want to go, if you want to really understand uh, the details and the timeline of the of this case, Chelsea James, Gus Garcia Roberts at the, at the Washington Post have done an incredible job over the last month or so, and we encourage you to check their work out. And we're not going to dive into the, the details of that. The point is, is all the details that have come out over the past multiple years over the story are very disturbing, very upsetting. And no matter what the legal outcomes have been, the result 
of Trevor Bauer getting the longest suspension forever in the history of this policy by Major League Baseball should tell you that there is a lot going on here that is very disturbing and is very not okay <laughs> at the very, very, very least. And acknowledging that is first and foremost before you were even talking about Trevor Bauer pitching for any team at any point anymore because that part is not what is important for what a person right. has done to another person, and in this case, multiple people uh, over the past few years. Him being legally absolved at this point does relatively. not <laughs> relatively right does not make him innocent it does not guarantee innocence in any way it is incredibly telling that mlb l- conducted their own investigation found out what bauer did or what they believed that he did and handed him a 324 game suspension okay more than double i believe exactly double the longest that had ever been doled out to a player under the domestic violence, sexual uh, violence policy that they have. Mm -hmm. That's significant. We have had examples of players doing horrible things that we know of, that they have admitted to, right? That received significantly lesser suspensions than what MLB handed Bauer. Now, why did, why is that the case? There's one, there's two things that that could be. One is that MLB is out to get Trevor Bauer and wants to make an example out of him. And that is exactly what Trevor Bauer wants you to think. That is what he is trying to do. He's trying to make himself the victim. But it is important to remember that he is very much not the victim in this story. That is super important. Now, the second thing it could be is that what he did was so egregious and violent and horrible, whether or not it was uh, he, he was uh, deemed guilty in, 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 the, in the eyes of the law, <laughs> is irrelevant if MLB looked at what he did, looked at that information, and handed him a 324-game suspension. Yeah, and that's exactly what the Dodgers' official statement made very clear. You know, they they said, and, and I think that their statement, while we can't give the Dodgers too much credit because you can very reasonably argue they should have released him within an hour of the league reinstating him or the arbitrator reinstating him following the suspension, but you, you can look at their statement, and I think that it made the relevant points, which is that, I'll, I'll read it for them. Dodgers organization believes that the allegations of sexual assault or domestic violence should be thoroughly investigated with due process given to the accused. Right. From the beginning, we have fully cooperated with Major League Baseball's investigation, strictly followed the process stipulated under MLB's joint domestic violence policy. Two extensive reviews of all the available evidence in this case, one by Commissioner Manfred and another by a neutral arbitrator, concluded that Mr. Bauer's actions warranted the longest ever active player suspension in our sport for violations of this policy. Now that this process has been completed and after careful consideration, we have decided that he will no longer be a part of our organization. And what that reads to me is like, listen, you can you can point to the, the, the law outcome like that's we this has been reviewed by way more people and with way more details than any than what any of you on Twitter or any of we have or any of what we've already been reading in the reports, they have way more information than we do, and that is the conclusion that they made, and that is enough for them to decide no mas on Trevor Bauer. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the Dodgers put out that statement on Friday, and very shortly after, we get a statement from Trevor Bauer, which comes across in a lot of the ways that how he's acted throughout this entire situation which is a complete lack of remorse, a complete lack of understanding that he did anything wrong and a commitment that he's saying, oh, I'm good. Like, oh, great, I'm reinstated. I mean, when he got reinstated in December, he tweeted like, can't wait to come back. Like, can't wait for the 2023 vlog. Like, this is no, there's no levels of like, I've done something wrong. I'm trying to earn the trust back of the fans or the organization or anything or MLB. Like, no, he's just like, I'm cool. 
I, I'm, I'm doing whatever. I'm doing my thing. And this statement that he puts out in, includes a detail that I just cannot is truly fathom at all. So he puts this statement out. While we were unable to communicate throughout the administrative leave and arbitration process, my representative spoke to Dodgers leadership immediately following the arbitration decision. Following two weeks of conversations around my return to the organization, I sat down with Dodgers leadership in Arizona yesterday who told me that they wanted me to return and pitch for the team this year. While I am disappointed by the organization's decision today, I appreciate the wealth of support I've received from the Dodgers clubhouse. I wish the players all the best and look forward to competing elsewhere. I mean, we just know that that last part is not true. (laughs) This is not true. There's no, there's no way. And, and by the way, the, the terminology support from the Dodgers clubhouse, that reads to me as, as, oh, I've talked to Dodgers players that all want me back. I just, I just straight up don't believe that. And honestly, even if it is true, now he's throwing those guys out to dry. And now all the Dodgers are going to be asked about this as soon as they arrive to spring training. And maybe that's what he wants because as Trevor Bauer has shown multiple times over his career, he's no stranger to burning bridges on the way out. That is not a problem. He has he is happy to do that many times over. And so this seems to be a case of that. But more importantly, saying that he sat down with Dodgers leadership. And we did get reporting from Bob Nightingale suggesting that the Dodgers did go to Arizona before they DFA'd him and said, wanted to meet with him. And they said, yeah, no, well, this guy is not showing any remorse. And so we're not even going to bother. Now, should they have What's, even given him that courtesy? Well, so we that's what I want to talk about. Like, yeah. Okay. So the Dodgers deserve no pizza points, no credit for doing the bare minimum here, mm-hmm. which was releasing him in the last or DFAing him in the last possible second of the two week window that they could. Right. Right. They flew to Arizona for a reason. Why do you think that is? Like, I'm genuinely curious. When they went to Arizona and to sit down with Trevor Bauer, was there anything that he could have said to them at that point that would have changed Dodgers' management minds? It seems from the the quotes in the Nightingale report that that's not the case. That they just felt that the right thing to do was to go in, in person and talk to him and see if there was any level of contrition, right? Just to deliver that news to him directly. But there's something, someone's wires got crossed here, right? Yeah. And I'm, we're inclined to believe that it is Bauer who is the one who is doing the wire crossing because, I mean, you've listened to the last 15 minutes of the show, yeah. right? At the same but time. But I do like, think it is, I think it is telling that they went and sat down with him. And sure. in some ways, it's both understandable and bizarre that they, the Dodgers took that step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said earlier, like you could reasonably argue like, no, like just release him immediately. Don't try and trade, try and make a trade for him. Like that's, that's arguably just disrespectful in and of itself. But I do think that like, I mean, they could say we, we literally haven't talked to him, you know, in two years. And so because of that, like, let's go talk to him because we haven't talked to him. Now, if you followed Trevor, it's not like Trevor Bauer hasn't been talking <laughs> for the last year and a half. He's been out there still doing his thing. So it's not like if you've been following it at all, and it's it'd be negligent to say that the Dodgers, yeah. if the Dodgers have been ignoring how he's been treating this, throughout this whole process, um, both in his legal actions against some of the victims that he has taken and also just the way that he has talked about it and just defended himself in a way that is not at all respectful or remorseful, I would hope that they would kind of anticipate yeah. that he probably wasn't going to change. Uh, but it, I agree with you. It is it is odd that they took that step. There was a quote, uh, I believe it was in the uh, Alden Gonzalez article on ESPN where he asked a bunch of agents what he thought was going to happen with Bauer moving forward. Mm-hmm. And there was an anonymous quote from one agent that was like, in order to do this, you have to hold his hand through the apology tour. And Bauer just isn't going to do that. He's doing right? the opposite. And yeah. He exactly this. He's not sorry. 
He's not sorry, right? He's trying to make himself look like the victim and no team wants to deal with that. At least no team wants to deal with that right now. And that's kind of the last thing to talk about here is once Bauer becomes a free agent, presumably at the end of this week, he will be eligible to sign with any of the teams in Major League Baseball for the league minimum, which is around $720,000. He will receive the remainder of his contract from the Dodgers that he was guaranteed this season. The Trevor Bauer at $720,000 is a, is a steal I, as a player. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. That being said, the overwhelming consensus around the league right now is that no team is going to sign him before opening day and very much likely bef- during the season at any point. And I just think there are definitely people in front offices around the league who are making the point that I just said, which is we can get a number two or three starter on our team for the league minimum. Like let's go win a world series. Right. But that's completely missing the point of the entire last 15 minutes of this show. And the last two years of everything that Trevor Bauer has done, where if you're going and adding this person to an organization, what is your organization choosing to prioritize? Mm-hmm. Right. And it is somewhat encouraging to me at this point that the, Conversation in baseball is overwhelmingly saying no one's going to touch this guy, at least at this point in time. I find that to be somewhat encouraging. Now, will he pitch again ever in Major League Baseball? I unfortunately am inclined to say yes. I don't have a lot of faith in the system as is. Um, But moving forward, like it only, and this was in Alden's piece too, it only takes one team to sign him. And all we will say at this point is I really hope it's not your team yep. and your team and your team or my team or their team. Right. Yeah. Because as we have, unfortunately in, in sports, right? Like <laughs> sometimes we are challenged by uh, decisions made by our favorite teams that make it very hard <laughs> to, to want to, you know, have sports be uh, an escape from real issues. And and this is one of those things where, Listen, there's a lot of problematic people that play in on our favorite team. Like this is not a new thing, but this is one that is so egregious and so blatant and so 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 insulting on so many levels because of the way that he's handled it, um, personality wise, and and just everything about it. Is is I, I hope that that's not something that that ha- that that is that you know becomes a fan's burden. You know that's right. that's really that's really kind of how how where, where we stand on it now. And and if if it does if he does sign with someone in the next few weeks, you know we will. We will grapple with that uh, as necessary, but um, yeah, it's, it's 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 obviously all a very disappointing and, and frustrating situation, and the fact that that it's gotten to this point is is already uh, you know kind of disturbing enough. I want to just before we finish up talk about uh, experience that I had. I think I mentioned this to you, Jordan. Where mm-hmm. so people who listen to the show might know that I coach little league, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a little league kid of mine. Um, I'll just say between the ages of 11 and 13 around mm-hmm. there who you, you kind of, you know, learned what I did. And a couple of weeks ago said Trevor Bauer's innocent, right? Like Trevor Bauer didn't do anything. I watched his videos and he said he didn't do anything. Right. And this kid, and this is a part of a much longer conversation about how young people interact with media and YouTube and Bo Burnham says that we're all going to die because we're using our phones. Like, I understand that that is, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm trying to, what really hit me is like, how he has used his own social media platforms to push his own innocence and push his own innocence to a really young demographic of fans. 
a young demographic of fans for whom this is like the first time that they are experiencing or interacting with this type of serious subject matter in any sort of critical manner. Now, I know that there was the Deshaun Watson story that happened last year, and I know that mm-hmm. there are some parallels for young sports fans, and I know like like you know horrible things happen in the world every day, but there was just something so sad and like evil and like deceptive about this kid who like and all other like he's great kid like nice kid great parents love this kid and he was just like this guy's innocent right and it was clear that he just was watching this stuff on youtube and watched all of these fun youtube videos and came to this conclusion and i just i'm not i i just it's really been eating me up yeah no and and it's really hard because it's it's what do i say to that kid like, what it, do I say to that kid, right? It's one thing to listen. I mean, over the next, it's already been happening, right? Like, if you go on Twitter, you there's so many people. Oh, he's innocent. He, oh, he, he didn't do anything wrong. He Like, most of the time, you're talking about adults who have, have, have come to these conclusions, which, again, we can agree, disagree with. The point is, is that, like, there are also a lot of, uh, like you said, like, there are people who are engaged, particularly with Trevor Bauer, who is, who is so out there. And who is so push, who is able to kind of connect with a lot of fans very directly, that is a very powerful thing. And that is where this becomes a lot higher stakes and it becomes a lot more upsetting um, when you have it uh, impacting a, a, a certain age of fan and a certain kind of fan. So I agree with you, but it's hard, man. Like it's, it's not, it's not an easy thing to talk about and, and, but, but we have to, and we will, we will continue to cover it as, 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 you know, respectfully and responsibly as we can uh, moving forward. But again, you know, we encourage you to, to go read all the, the very in-depth reporting that has been done on this um, because that's, we're, we're, we're just trying to, 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 you know, talk about it as, as reasonably as possible without going too, too in detail. So uh, with that, we are going to take, uh, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back with uh, some, some, some transactional uh, news that is a lot more interesting um, than a DFA of a, a, a terrible person. So we'll be back here on Baseball Barbacast uh, talking <laughs> Phillies Tigers Swap. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shaped sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we are back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That is Jordan Schusterman. We went to middle school together. And Jordan... Uh, I will say that over the weekend, there was a trade that happened that bummed me out. Mm, yeah. You're, yeah. yeah, this is this this is a fascinating a fascinating baseball trade. We we talked uh, recently about the uh, Dalton Varsho trade for Lourdes Gurriel and Gabriel Moreno, and how we don't have a lot of uh, big leaguer for big leaguer trades very often anymore. And this one's a little bit different, but I still think it fits in the same kind of bucket. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, who've been very active, especially especially recently swinging some deals, Philadelphia Phillies and Detroit Tigers have swung a deal. The Phillies have acquired left-handed reliever Gregory Soto and utility son of Roger Clemens, Cody Clemens, <laughs> uh, for two 
members of the Phillies daycare, for, including a former BarberCast guest, Matt Veerling and Nick Maton, as well as uh, minor league catcher Donnie Sands. Jake, I think I know why this bums you out, but explain to the, to the, to the listener why this bums you out. On every baseball team, you want to think of a baseball team, any sports team, like an iceberg, okay? When you watch them on TV, you're only seeing the top of the iceberg. You're only seeing Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber and, you know, Aaron Nolan, whatever. But beneath the surface of the water, okay, there are the glue guys. There are the high-energy benchmen who may not play a lot but are vital to the energy and the culture of a team off the field. And boy, oh boy, was that Nick Maton. And boy, oh boy, was that Matt Veerling. Two of the most uh, fun-loving uh, baseball players that I have been around. Two absolute gems. Two weirdos in a very, very good way who were a huge part of like the Phillies college baseball energy that I wrote mm-hmm. so much about last October when I was covering the team for Fox Sports. And it was the type of trade, this trade, where it was a, a, a deprioritization of vibes, is what I would say. Is that trading Maton and Veerling, Veerling, who was the one who was passing out cigarettes in the locker room after the NLCS, and Maton, who uh, nicknamed himself Wolfie and would run around the locker room and the showers howling at people. Okay, these are these are those types of guys. Okay, sending them guys away. Guys being dudes. They that sending them away, like, you know, it it's gonna change the energy of the Phillies clubhouse a little bit. And 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 talking with some of the folks around the team, like this was definitely caught a lot of people by surprise. Yes. Like I I think Mayton and and Veerling were very much expecting to be on the Phillies in 2023. Yes, I'm sure our, our recent guest Garrett Stubbs was uh especially uh triggered by this one. But I gotta say, like Let's let's talk about the let's let's keep it strictly on the field here. Yeah, let's what do is, the baseball part. Yeah, what what is why why did this trade happen? Okay. Okay. So so who <laughs> who are these players? Nick Maton is a utility infielder who hits the ball harder than the average utility infielder, but doesn't hit the ball all that much, right? Mm-hmm. And Matt Veerling is kind of actually the outfield version of Nick Maton in a lot of ways. Matt Veerling hits the ball very hard for someone who does not play that much or ha- at this point play that well. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to, I think Veerling is a big part of this. We'll, we'll talk about that, but yes. So, so Veerling then, of course was a, was a, was a big part of the, you know, the facing lefty platoon him with Mar- with Martian center. Now he's played a lot of different positions. He's played first, he's played third, he's played both corner outfield spots. Um, kind of a late bloomer prospect wise. Mayton again, same kind of thing. These are not high picks necessarily, but they both developed very right. well at the upper parts of the minors. These are the kinds Johnny- of players that you need Right. <laughs> if, the, if you're complimenting a good roster, which the Tigers don't have yet, but it is really good depth pieces for sure. Nick Maton and Matt Veerling are the type of players that the Angels can't get and are a huge reason why they always suck when their best players get injured. Like when the Phillies had guys get injured in 2022 and Bryce Harper missed all that time and Cassianis was out and Maton and Veerling were the people who were filling in. And getting a lot like Veerling had 357 plate appearances in 2022 and he was fine. Like he wasn't good, but he wasn't horrible. And that's a big, big difference. Uh, Donnie Sands, the other guy in the steel is just a, you know, you know, depth catcher. There's really, I don't think. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he had a good year at AAA. He was not going to play because he was behind Stubbs and Real Muto, but that's fine. He, he, he's, he's something. Now coming the other way for the Tigers is Gregory Soto. Now he is the, is the guy in this trade. 
And what is interesting about them acquiring Gregory Soto is that they already kind of have Gregory Soto in their bullpen in the form of Jose Alvarado. These are two of the hardest throwing humans on the face of the planet. They are both enormous people. They are both left-handed. And now they will be on the same team. Arguably the two hardest throwing lefties on earth. Uh, this side of Aroldis Chapman. And I mean, that's really it. That's that's the list. I mean, as far as consistent triple digits from, from a southpaw, it is really those guys. So yes, Gregory Soto is alongside Alvarado and probably Aroldis Chapman, the one of the hardest throwing lefties on the face of the earth. And when you look at his profile, which is, wow, he throws crazy hard. Wow, he walks so many guys. But if he can just throw a few more strikes, he can be one of the most dominant lefty relievers in the game. He's already been an all-star the last couple of seasons, but that's because the Tigers have been bad. This is more of a, well, we just did it with Alvarado. If we can add another guy like that, who's more than just a lefty specialist, when you throw that hard, you can also get righties out. I mean, he's he's going for for upside here. They remember they just signed Craig Kimbrell too. There is a lot of volatility in this Phillies bullpen now, but it is also the upside talent wise is about as high as you're going to find across the league. Which when you compare that, we're talking about a Phillies bullpen. Yes, there's a lot of potential for jokes here. There's a lot of potential for Gregory Soto not to figure it out and for him to have a lot of very maddening outings. Um, but like the upside here is 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 pretty obvious. I mean, he's really really talented, and I, I love watching him. The other thing this trade tells me is that the Phillies believe in Dalton Guthrie, I think. Well, I, I, I was going to say it tells me they believe in Brandon Marsh. And, and Dave Dombrowski had quotes. They basically asked him, like, does this suggest that you think Marsh is an everyday guy in center? And he basically was like, yeah, yeah, it, it does. And right. I mean, Guthrie, sure, he's going to have to step in. And now Cody Clemens is also going to step in, into those those bench roles that that Maton and, and Veerling, you know, by, by departing that those holes are open. But I think this says more about Marsh. And I think that with Veerling, like this is going to be a really interesting, a really interesting opportunity for him. Maybe he is still just a platoon guy in the outfield, whether it's in left or whether it's in center uh, with guys like Riley Green and Akil Badu. But I think Veerling could still like he he had really, really, really good underlying data batted ball wise last year. And even beyond just being a lefty masher, it's 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 kind of an interesting challenge trade in that sense. But I think they were they're buying more of the upside with Marsh uh, versus Veerling there, so I understand that. But but a really a really nice a nice pickup for Detroit here because like when you're a terrible team, having an expensive closer is not that doesn't mean anything to you, right? So Gregory Soto looked like a very obvious trade candidate from the beginning of the offseason, and this is it's interesting that this is what they choose to to use him to get. It does say I think they they think very highly of Veerling and Maton because when you look at like an all-star closer with that many years of control left, that's the kind of guy that could get a lot more in trades as we've seen across the league. Guys, teams trading guys like that for a lot of prospects. And in this case, you know, they're they're going for Maton and Veerling. I think that's really interesting. All right, Jordan, let's play a game. Speaking of the 2022 Phillies. <laughs> okay. All right. You do not know what's hap- what's happening, right? To no, be clear. but you've been excited about this for a few days, so I don't know what what was about to happen. This game is called "Who Said This?" Mm. Member of the 2022 Phillies or member of the Wu Tang Clan? Okay, mm. I'm going okay. to read you a quote. <laughs> Wait, I'm is it re- a lyric or is it a, just like a quote? I'm assuming this is a lyric. It, it's uh, some are, are some and some are the other. But okay, that's for you to it. decide. Okay, wow. Okay. All, right, all right. What what prompted this? Before this is a weird. People are like, what? Why are we doing? What's going on here? Nothing. How do we? How do we? I, get there here? was nothing. I was I was just listening to the Wu Tang Clan. And reading about the 2022 Phillies, okay. and I thought to myself, por que no los dos? Uh, why not both? 
and I put this little quiz together out of nowhere. This is what happens in the winter, in the off season, right? Mm-hmm. Ideas just pop in your head, whether you're in the shower or, you know, in the shower or in the shower, in the shower like, yeah. things come to you. And so you only shower in the off season. That's the other thing. I, I am disgusting until that's why I was so happy for the season to end is I could finally scrub it up. <laughs> All right. Continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's, right. let's play this game. I'm going to read the quote and you got to tell me whether it is a member of the 2022 Phillies or the 2022 Wu-Tang Clan. The <laughs> 2022 Wu-Tang Clan. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Have they made if any wh- trades recently? <laughs> if what has happened is a memory. And what's going to happen is a thought. You're taking yourself out of right now. Mm. If what has happened is a memory and what's going to happen is a thought, you're taking yourself out of right now. Uh, well, one, I mean, that is a bar. So respect. But I do know that that, that quote belongs to Nick Castellanos. Correct. Who ding, I ding, imagine ding. will be a regular contributor to this game. But yeah, that is that, you know, I, you know, does that sound like Raekwon? Eh, kind of. <laughs> Number two, peace is the absence of confusion. Peace is the absence of confusion. Did they say it twice or did you just repeat it? I'm repeating it. I'm, I, okay. he, they said it once. <laughs> peace is the absence of confusion. I think that's Wu-Tang Clan. Correct. That was RZA. That <laughs> oh, was RZA. RZA. All right. Okay. It sounded more like Jizza, but okay. Okay, two for two. Okay, Jordan. I, I should have said this before. I gave this quiz to our colleague at Fox Sports, Pedro Mora, and our colleague on Planet Earth, Finny Pasquantino, <laughs> and they both got four out of seven correct. Oh, okay, great. So there's right. seven. Okay, great. Go, go, keep going. If I had to describe set. myself in one word, Hercules. If I had to describe myself in one word, Hercules. Um, I'm going to stick with Wu-Tang on this one. (laughs) This was a quote from Bryce Harper. I was like, that sounds like something someone would say about Bryce Harper, but not he would say himself. Yeah. He said that about himself. Wait, what? How, what was the context? It was a long time ago. Oh, oh, okay. So these weren't all said this year. No, none of them were, but they were said by <laughs> members of the 2022 <laughs> the Phillies. Okay, all right, sorry. sorry. None of these That's, Wu-Tang Clan quotes are from 2022. I understand that. No, 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 but I'm, I'm saying, again, if we're going in the spirit of the 2022 Phillies, but that's fine, okay. that's fine. I'll, I'll give it to you. I understand it's about the personalities collected. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Go ahead. Sunshine plays a major part in the daytime. Sunshine okay. plays a major part in the daytime. I mean, totally, dude. Like, for sure. That's close enough to a rhyme that it's making me lean towards Wu-Tang Clan. So I'm going to... Yeah, I'll stick with Wu-Tang. Correct. Okay. Sunshine, that was Ghostface Killer said that. You're the Mm -hmm. only person who got that right. (laughs) Everyone else thought it was about losing a foul ball. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Okay. But I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty good about, about using the context yeah. there. Of the, it sounded more like a line, like a lyric. So yeah, yeah. go ahead. Okay. So I'm three for four so far. Yeah. In order to be one of the greats, you've got to study the greats. That's got to be Phillies. That's got to be baseball. Incorrect. That was Raekwon said that. 
In order to be one of the greats, you've got to study the that greats. That wasn't Alec Bohm talking about like no. Nolan Arenado defense. <laughs> no, it was not. It was it was not Garrett right, well, Stubbs talking that's about a good, Real that's, Muto. That's tough, right? I mean, that's an easy. That's that's like a great either way. Okay, who is Raekwon talking about? Who's he studying? I, I, I assume like which that is an interesting point because the Wu Tang Clan is the greats. Yeah, I was going like, to say like, like people are studying them now. So they're studying like Run right. DMC, I guess. Right. You know? Well, that's the thing. It's like who did right? Who did Ted Williams watch? I don't know. <laughs> Al Simmons. I don't know. Okay, next one. Quote. If two more. If you don't have dreams, you don't have a life. If that's you don't have dreams, Phillies. you don't. Have I a can't life. remember who said it. I think that's Phillies. Correct. That was Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. That was, that. <laughs> when Bryce was Harper. that? That's 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 a good. That's pretty. I mean, that's yeah, pretty, pretty intense. Uh, last one, Jordan. If you get this, you will be five out of seven and you will beat our friends Pedro Mora and Vinny Pasquantino. Okay. I'll I'll shit talk them over text immediately. Go ahead. Ready? Sometimes I look up at the stars and I analyze the sky and I ask myself, was I meant to be here? Sometimes I look up at the stars and analyze the sky and I ask myself, was I meant to be here? Okay. This also screams Nicholas Castellanos, but like. It, that can't be a could that be a lyric? I don't know. I'm gonna go Phillies. I'm going Phillies. Well, you, my friend, are going home because oh. that is incorrect. Oh. That is a ghost face killer line from a Mary J. Blige, a song you did with Mary J. Blige, All That I Got Is You. Oh, damn. So that is not so a I tied. So four seems tied. to be the ceiling here. Well, four seems to be the average. And the floor. And the floor. (laughs) All three of you have gotten four to seven. So that's a a good quiz. I hope you uh, folks at home played along. Damn. Completely nonsensical test of Wu-Tang Clan slash 2022 Phillies knowledge. Maybe I'll put some more of these together, Jordan. We can do baseball. Yeah, that was good. Baseball quote or um, rap line. All right. Let's do the rest of this pod so I can go listen to Pro Tools. Uh, all right, here we go. We uh, <laughs> have more, more news. Uh, well, a couple more uh, moves and non-moves. First, let's just let's just get our Carlos Correa update out of the way. All right, so we're recording. Wait, 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 wait. Before, how's your leg, dude? Oh, how's my how's my ankle? Yeah, I uh, just I was thinking about this on the flight I took this morning. Like everyone's energy is so concerned about Carlos Correa's leg, we haven't taken the time to step back from it and ask our best friends, like how are their ankles? Like how, how are is your legs? ankle? Yeah. How's your ankle? It's fine. It's good. I have no, no issues. No, but again, like Carlos Correa, I also haven't had any issues with it for years. Um, and maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe mine is also, I can't trust it over the next 12 years. Did your ankle go numb uh, in September after <laughs> someone tagged that. your plate? When I slid into second base, no, I didn't. All right, so it's it's January 9th, uh, January afternoon, January 9th. Um, the only update we have is just continued vague changes to Scott to John Heyman stories that are just like, yeah, you know, they're trying. Oh, there's other teams. Like it, these are all non-stories as far as I'm concerned. The only thing we did get, which I I found this super funny, is that the Mets held like a season ticket holder event or some sort of VIP event where you could go and meet Steve Cohen and go to City Field in January, whatever. You and go to City Field and Steve Cohen just hands you a Benjamin. You just yeah, go exactly. And he just gives you a hundred dollars. And this this Mets YouTuber uh, named Tyler Ward went to this event and he asked Steve Cohen about what this like what the hell's going on with Cray? I love that only one person asked him. That's super funny to me. 
Um, but but this is again, there's no hey, media. This is hey, this isn't a media way. thing. But still, right? I, I and I'm getting credit to this kid uh, for asking him. But th- I, I, this quote is so funny because because this is don't, I don't take this as news, but it's so funny. Steve Cohen, if we're trusting this gentleman Tyler Ward, which again this was reported, other people verified. Okay, great. He said, "Quote Steve Cohen on this crazy situation." While I can't speak on the player, I do believe we'll have a resolution soon, one way or the other. A couple thoughts on this. One. You just spoke on the player. One. Um, he's like, yeah. So I can't speak on the player because I, I already did. And that kind of got me in a lot of trouble. It's like, yeah, no, you, you can't. I'm glad you've learned something, Steve. Congratulations, dude. <laughs> like, you can't speak on the player. Nice. All right. Good. Nice job. Don't but speak then, on the player. Speak on the game. But also... I do believe there will be a resolution one way or the other. Some people took that as, oh, the Mets will sign him soon. Resolution does not necessarily imply that that, <laughs> like I took that as they will decide either to tell Scott Boris to fuck off or they will just figure it out. Because what is most interesting from the reporting over the last week is that they that, 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 that Boris does not want to come off the years in dollars at all. <laughs> and so when I mentioned the possibility of, oh, maybe they just shortened it and up the AAV, that does not seem to be in play here. This is an incredible uh, Scott Boris thing. And it's also so funny because the only L that Scott Boris has really taken in the last however many years was the Kumar Rocker Mets thing. <laughs> and uh, and then he ultimately ended up still getting him being picked third by the Rangers. So, you know, it was still fine. But the fact that this is now happening again is really amazing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe he meant there will be a New Year's resolution soon. <laughs> right. That's definitely what he was referring to. But Steve just Cohen co- just Steve Cohen just joined Planet Fitness. I'm just like so proud. Everyone right. else's New Year's That's resolution. That's definitely where Steve Cohen's going. I'm just proud that he learned that he can't speak on the player. <laughs> he's I, I not hope Steve to. Cohen. I hope when he said that he was like, "Well, I can't speak on the player." <laughs> See, I, hey, I'm hey. not speaking, not doing it. Not going to do it. Nice try. I'm not gonna do nice it. try. I already did. Um, so anyway, I hope. So. I hope the Korea thing lasts until spring training. Same. Uh, there was some reporting done or research done about how this offseason has moved quicker than any offseason in like yes. the last 10 years. Good, and good piece of fan graphs. Ben Clemens, check it out. That's a good thing, right? We're not sitting on our hands waiting until the last moment, but we still have like a month and a half until pitchers and catchers do their book reports and <laughs> everything's done. And I have depression and I can't just sit here with nothing to follow or else I'm going to go nuts. All right. This is keeping us. I hope that this, I need twists. I need turns. I need like, I need a late night flight. You know, I I need more drama here, but that, and Oh, by the way, I know we, we also got the stupid Instagram post that he posted with his son. This was like right after we recorded last time. Oh, he's, Oh, he's, he's going to work and his kid's wearing an I heart New York uh, onesie. It's like, all right, whatever. I, I literally don't care until, you know, the Mets tweet something out. Um, but this is a good transition to another thing we wanted to talk about briefly, which is another story from Bob Nightingale. About- Bob on his game. Wait, time out. Quick Bob yeah. thought. Bob is a punchline. All right. Bob's, but Bob, Bob's in fuego right now. But Bob is a punchline only because sometimes Bob is on it. All right. Bob is not over. Bob hits like 700, all right? And like, I think it's... <laughs> but but here's the difference. Bob hits 700, whereas Passing Rosenthal hit 980. Correct. <laughs> that's, they don't, that's 995, correct. right? Like, correct. that's the problem. But I, you know, Bob got to be Bob because he is good at the job. He's good at parts of the job. And so when he does reporting and does good stuff, I think, you know, you just got a little tip of the cap to, to Bob. And off of this Correa mess, 
he wrote a column, but was also partly a, a kind of a uh, an interview with uh, Alex Anthopoulos of the Braves. Um, basically, the concept of, of the of the article is this Mets mess, and not the Mets are not the only ones that have their shit, you know, constantly dealt with in public. They're not the, the only Giants. Ones. Uh, a couple months ago, I don't know if you Giants, saw that. Yeah. Obviously, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of examples, not just the Mets, but the Braves. As we've learned, as we've learned, are uh, instead the opposite of that, and they have developed a reputation where nothing leaks, and you don't hear anything about any of the moves that they are making until they tweet it out from their official account. That's been true with multiple of the extensions that they've done, including most recently Sean Murphy, as well as several trade signings. Um, over the past few years. And basically, Bob talked to Alex Anthopoulos about it. And Alex Anthopoulos was like, yeah, I get that all that stuff is spicy. I'm a sports fan too. I grew up a sports fan. I love to know what my teams are doing. But none of that shit helps the Braves. I love the quote from Anthopoulos in here that basically says, yeah, we've had stuff blow up over medicals, whether it's trade or free agency. And no one ever finds out about it. And it's not a shit show because I'm the only one that knows anything. Okay, I'm adding that last part. But that's basically what it seems like is that Alex Anthopoulos has decided to run such a tight ship that nobody else knows what the hell's going on. And I mean, he's right. Like it's, it's, and I, the, 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 the great irony of it is that this is more fun, right? The fact that they just dropped this shit on us out of nowhere is honestly more fun than the, than the chaotic speculation that we are forced to do because of all the leaks from all the other teams and agents and reporters and whatever. I love how much it pisses off like Paz and Rosenthal and, and all those people who are like, God damn it, the Braves just tweeted it out. They just tweeted it out, damn it. Yeah, but I think that, I mean, for them, it's like, that's still better than getting beat by Carlos Baerga. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> or, that's or, very true. Or whoever else. So it's, but no, it's but just so I, funny. He's so right, dude. Anthopolis is right. Is like, there's no upside. There's yeah. no upside to it. You just lose leverage. And Anthopolis is a ruthless motherfucker and he has determined through experience and a lot of wins on the baseball field that this is the way to run an organization and i am inclined to believe him because he has proof of concept and and i gotta say like i do it's so funny right because the mariners are the opposite right i mean depota's on radio every three days and he's telling everyone exactly what they're gonna do and then they do it like they're we're gonna sign a right-handed hitting outfielder okay here's aj pollock we'll talk about that in a second but like I, and there's there's that's the other side of the spectrum. Um, now, in Jerry's case, he usually is actually telling you basically exactly what's going to happen as opposed to just like saying nonsense, which is 90 percent of GMs is saying a lot that means nothing. But the leaks is different. But I have often I, I, I remember writing about this at MLB, like imagine an offseason reveal, right? full off-season reveal where we didn't actually know anything. And yes, it would be really freaking boring for a few months, but like imagine the first time you find out about free agents is when they show up at spring training. Or no, or you do like a show in Scottsdale. Yeah. Where you just <laughs> right, you just bring everyone out and it's right. Carlos Correa is just in like a Mets uniform and people are like, whoa. Right. Part of me, that's the thing. Like part of me would wish that that's of course impossible where it's only going to get less like that as, as years go on. But I love it. And the other great thing about the Braves thing is when they announce it, it's fucking official. We don't have to wait for weeks and, oh, what's the what's the corresponding move? Oh, are they going to have to? It's just like, bam, this shit is done. It's <laughs> on letter. In. It's on fucking letterhead. Yeah, like it is. It has happened. So I love that. I love it. I it's it's it is a great it is a great change of pace, particularly for a team that is so relevant and is constantly making very interesting transactions. So you know what the Braves graphic design Twitter account, we're making a transaction <laughs> template looks like. 
I just love it because it's it, they they do pack in a lot of words into that. It's never like you know size thirty four font. It's like we extended Sean Murphy. It's like Sean Murphy has been extended through twenty twenty eight. Blah blah blah. blah. He is a X time all star and hit da, 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 da. like they give you everything in there and it's like we'll talk to you in a couple months. <laughs> talk to you in three days when we you know trade for Mendelssohn or sign Charlie Morton again, right? Like they're just constantly just announcing all these crazy things. So anyway, we we love that. Uh, all right, let's let's run through a couple quick moves and then we will we will get out of here on this episode of Baseball Barbacast. I just mentioned it uh, uh, before. Mariners signed AJ Pollock. At some point uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, Jake and I will do a more formal review of our respective favorite teams' off seasons and kind of how we were feeling based on where we were at the start of the off season. Uh, you know, both of our teams coming off such successful and, and exciting and promising 2022 seasons. Um, this Pollock deal is like totally fine. Like I, I've, I'd given up long before the idea, the, the beginning of the offseason that they were going to sign Trey Turner or Bogarts, whatever I knew that wasn't going to happen. I still had hope for maybe a little bit higher ceiling, maybe a Conforto type, but I think this makes sense. AJ Pollock has been one of the best hitters of baseball against left-handed pitching. And if they're just going to platoon him with Kelnick, then sounds good to me. Um, they could still use another bat. So whatever, Justin Topa. Stop hating on him. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, otherwise, uh, we also had, <laughs> this is a fun one, personal one, future Barbacast guest, Brent Honeywell, signed by the San Diego Padres. Jake. Mm. Mm. Brent Honeywell, uh, you may remember him as the MVP of the 2017 Futures game. Now, you would hope that the MVP of the Futures game 2017, well, he surely wouldn't be a prospect anymore. Oh, but our good friend Brent... I can make fun of him because he is our, actually our friend and I make fun of him to his face, but it is all because of love. Brent Honeywell has dealt with more injuries than essentially any pitching prospect to still be going <laughs> that you're going to find in the game. And that is because this dude loves baseball more than basically anyone else you're going to find. And all he wants to do is get outs in the freaking big leagues. And the fact that the Padres are going to give him a great opportunity to do that uh, after everything that he's dealt with over the last five seasons um, is amazing. And he earned it. And he was awesome in Lidome this winter. And uh, I, I couldn't be rooting more harder for for someone than, than Ron Honeywell because um, he's he's the man. And uh, it's a super, in, there's a, it's super interesting, right? Because, there was a time where like Brent was just this motherfucker ace destined to be on the front of a rotation with lights out stuff and a screwball and all these pitches. And he was a bulldog on the mound and then his arm went kablooey, but he hasn't changed any of his personality. No. Right? And so he still so thinks he's the best pitcher him, in the world. Exactly. Yeah. He can't like he doesn't have his superpowers in the same extent that he used to. Yeah. Because his here. Wait, can I just go through it? I just want to go through. Uh, uh, da, 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 okay. Torn UCL February of 2018. Uh, June 2019, fractured a bone in his right right elbow. May 2020, compression procedure on his right ulnar nerve, removing scar tissue. Uh, uh, that was, that's it? Right. Well, then then he missed, I mean, he was out for most of last season after coming back from, from the nerve issue. Like, he, this is the other thing. It's honestly an interesting contrast to Carlos Rodon, who, of course, we've been friends with, and he dealt with a lot of uh, injuries, too. And Carlos, of course, reached the big leagues a lot faster, and he was a higher draft pick and whatnot. But, I mean, if to, to for Brent, the thing about him is that it happened to him right as he was about to break through. That 2017 season that he had was so dominant, he deserved to be called up at the end of it. And then that's when the injuries started. Worst possible that, time. For, for it to be when he was ready to be a good major league pitcher – 
and we're, you know, now we're in 2023 and it's gone a long way. My last thought about this is it's, it's a, it's a fantastic landing spot and, and honestly pretty fitting because AJ Preller loves him some prospects. And while Brent is maybe not at the top of prospect list the way that he used to be, I promise you that AJ Preller remembers scouting, whether he's Solomon Juco or Solomon the Miners, knows what Honeywell is all about and can appreciate uh, a, someone of his pedigree and his and his determination and, and attitude. And I think he'll be a great fit there. And uh, and and yeah, he's who knows what role he'll fit in. I know it's a split deal, so not a guaranteed spot, but. Just excited to see him to see him back on the mountain. It was super fun watching him in, in winter ball this year. So uh, congrats to Brent and good luck to him. Um, Mets signed Tim LaCastro. Jake, you love Tim LaCastro. Any any quick thoughts on that? I'm just happy he gets to stay in New York. Yeah, New York, yeah, New York. He's is he gonna be yeah, that's that is pretty clutch, right? I mean, he'd been beat bounced around uh, a little bit before then, but yeah, Tim LaCastro, he's he's a good good D three guy to keep around. He's a good vibes guy. Uh, but what it really means, Jordan, is that Terrence Gore will be on a new team in 2023. Oh, shit. That's a good point. Because they can't they can't coexist. I mean, I guess Tim LeCastro does get at bats so no. more than Terrence Gore does. <laughs> but but yeah, no, not really. They can't they can't coexist. So that's that's a great point. I didn't I didn't think about that. So Terrence Gore, maybe he will find his way onto a new team. All right. Uh, we have one more thing we wanted to mention, but before that, uh, quickly, listen, uh, keep the emails coming. We do have some more. Hopefully, we'll just do like a bigger mailbag at some point soon. Um, baseballbarbercast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. We promise we will get to them in the near future. Um, but yeah, the last the last bit of news that we make sure we wanted to acknowledge on this show was uh, kind of, of course, came out of nowhere. You're never prepared for anything like this. Uh, but the White Sox announced that uh, Liam Hendricks, Liam Hendricks, I guess, announced um, himself that he's been diagnosed with with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and he is, of course, immediately undergoing treatment as soon as possible. Uh, this is, you know, we've had over the last few years, a, a few um, cancer diagnoses in in baseball. And fortunately, we've, we've seen a uh, generally, but full recoveries and whatnot. And we hope the same for Liam Hendricks. But as you saw from the response, uh, the, you know, over the last 24 hours, I mean, Liam Hendricks is, is one of the more beloved people in, in the game. And, and yes, you might just, you know, I understand some casual fans just think of him as like, oh, he's like the crazy Australian guy that screams when he pitches. And like, that is true. Um, but I'm telling you, Liam Hendricks is, is one of the, one of the better, well, first of all, one of the more just genuinely funny and cool people that we have in the sport. Um, and his sport, his story kind of reflects that. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're obviously, obviously thinking of him and, and hoping that he can make a full recovery because this is uh, a scary thing. Obviously cancer is, is a scary and serious thing. And so it seems like he's, he has confidence. He can, he can beat it. We, we hope he can. And we, we can, we're not even going to talk about what this means for the White Sox bullpen. Cause that's not important right now. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the season previews. <laughs> that's, that's not relevant right now. Uh, but, but yeah, so Liam Hendricks salute to you because he's, uh, He's a badass, and hopefully he can get back on the field as soon as possible. Uh, Jake Mintz, any other final thoughts before we end this podcast, before it reaches an hour long? Uh, no. Okay. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this episode of Baseball Barbecast. We will be back some point later this week um, with another episode. Uh, but until then, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting us. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back in a few days. And Carlos Correa will probably still not be on the Mets. Is Hunter Renfro in the college football championship again, or what's the deal? Don't think so. Don't think so.
Sirius XM Podcasts.